If I had to title the message today, it's our very last message. Uh, Message 38 or 39, I think, in the Gospel of Mark. And uh, if I had to title it today, it'd be this, Gospel Distribution 101. Gospel Distribution 101. As we end Mark's series, you can take off that that slide, Tammy, I'm not going to talk about it. As we end Mark's Gospel... We're actually beginning a brand new series of messages for the next five Sunday mornings. And and it's going to be on on this mission of our church to help people find and follow Jesus. Hope you have forgotten. That's why Fellowship Baptist Church exists. We don't exist so we can gather and dress fancy and sing great songs and and enjoy friendships. All of that is, is a fitting and appropriate part of assembling and gathering as a church. But if we had to strip it down to what is the church all about, we exist to bring glory to God through helping people find and follow Jesus. And we've gotten really tangible and clear in that. We've got these growth steps on the walls here. I'm going to be walking through each of those and, and talking about different aspects of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Speaking of distribution, UPS is the largest distributing service in the world. They serve more than 90% of the world's major retailers. In fact, during their peak holiday season, they expect to deliver at least 32 million packages per day. That's over 300 packages per second. In 2020, UPS generated over $84 billion in revenue. Needless to say, UPS has been a very effective and successful distributor both here and really around the entire world. Millions of businesses and customers rely on UPS every day to distribute their products effectively. Did you know that Fellowship Baptist Church is also a distribution center? We don't drive around in brown trucks and deliver millions of Amazon packages at doorsteps every day, which, by the way, half the Amazon packages your wife is ordering she don't need. That's another sermon. That's been crawling over me all week, so I had to get it out. Our church has been entrusted to distribute something even more valuable than any product that you might purchase online. God has entrusted our church, Fellowship Baptist Church, to distribute the gospel. The good news of Jesus' death and and his his burial and his resurrection, we've been entrusted to to distribute this gospel first to our community, then, then to our country, and then literally all around the world. Listen, God could have chosen any number of things to be his distribution center for the gospel, but he chose us, his church. And he's expecting us to distribute his message to the world in an effective and a timely manner. We're going to look at the end here of Mark's gospel where Jesus sets up the first ever gospel distribution center. It was his last objective on earth before he went to heaven. He's already died. He's already been buried. He's already rose again. Now now he's going to organize his first church made up of his original disciples. And he's going to give them this humongous task of gospel distribution. However, there's one problem. His original disciples are nowhere to be found. It's who he's counting on, but he can't find them. They fled. When he got arrested, they got scared. 
They thought they were next. And so they, uh, they abandoned Jesus. In fact, they're even struggling at this point in their walk with Christ to believe that Jesus is alive. So before Jesus could entrust them to distribute the gospel effectively, he had to go find them, number one. And number two, he had to work to bring them to a place of personal belief in his resurrection and in the power and the hope of the resurrection. So in Mark 16, we, we find the disciples huddled up in fear, thinking they're next to be crucified. They weren't expecting Jesus's resurrection and they wouldn't believe anybody who suggested that he was alive. Look at verse nine of our text. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. So Jesus cries again in verse 12. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue or the remaining disciples. But... Neither believe they them. Do you see what happened? Jesus told Mary Magdalene, I'm alive. Ministered to her personally and said, now go find the disciples and tell them. So she went and found the disciples and told them and they didn't believe her. So we went and found two guys. We know from Luke's Gospels, two men walking on their way to Emmaus. Jesus convinced them from God's word that he was the son of God, that he was indeed risen from the grave. And he said, go tell all the other believers. And they did. And nobody believed them. Are you getting the picture? Jesus is having to work to bring his own followers to a place of belief in the resurrection. He tried to do it through Mary. He tried to do it through the two men. And, and the disciples, they won't have any of it. And so he said, okay, I'm going to have to go to him myself. Verse 14. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief. And hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Jesus got on to him. And upbraided means more than just he kind of slapped them on the wrist. It's a strong word. It means he scolded them. Why? For their unbelief. He said, guys, you, you know better. I've told you more than a few times over the last three years that I would die. I would, I would be buried, but that I wouldn't stay dead. I've told you that, but your hearts have been too hard to perceive it and now to believe it. You say, why does Jesus go through to, to the great length to find the disciples and to convince them to believe that he is the risen Savior? Why does he send Mary? Why does he send the men? Why does he go and get on to them, give them this pep talk. Why didn't Jesus say, okay, you guys don't want none of me. I don't want none of you. Well, the reason Jesus is urgent is because these disciples, they were the engine through which the gospel was going to be distributed. And he knew that unless they first came to a point of belief in the resurrection personally, they would not be a very good distributor of the gospel. Because let's be honest. We don't talk passionately about things we believe passively. We only talk passionately about things we believe personally. That's why after you try a new restaurant and love it, you don't mind sharing with others almost immediately why they should try it too. That's why after you watch a really good movie, you can't stop talking about it. 
That's proven. Just go to the theater and walk, watch people walk out of the theater doors to their cars. The whole way out, they're talking about the movie. That's why when your team wins a big game, your favorite player makes a big play. You want to talk about it. You want to tweet about it. You want to brag about it on Facebook. Why? Because you believe it. You love it. You've embraced it. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. We speak passionately about what we believe personally. Are you with me? Jesus knew this to be true. He knew his disciples weren't to a place of personal belief in the resurrection, at least not enough to be good distributors of the resurrection message. Based on their current condition, the gospel is going to stall out. So Jesus knew he had to work to bring them to a place of belief because the gospel couldn't be distributed well if it was in the hands of unbelieving Christians. Here's the truth for us today. Get this. Like the disciples, we won't distribute the gospel effectively unless we believe it personally. So, so you might hear me say the first growth steps believe. And you might in your mind just turn that off because you're like, I've already believed. Check, I get to check that box because I've already been saved. You, and the truth is, you might have taken this growth journey of discipleship that we put on the wall. Believe, commit, connect, grow, serve. You, you, you might, might have made your way through that. So how does this message apply to you? Here's how it applies to you. After you have taken the journey of discipleship, now you reproduce. After you have believed in the gospel, you must keep believing in the gospel, not to be saved, but to keep it afresh on your heart so that you'll share it with others and get them to that first growth step. Listen, I'm not talking about Believing the gospel at the point of salvation. I'm talking about believing in the power of the resurrection to change a life afresh and anew every single day. When the resurrection, it becomes old hat to you, you will not be motivated to talk about it to others. When the resurrection is only thought about in your mind on Easter Sunday, then you won't think about talking to others about it. Because you only talk passionately about what you believe personally. My question is this, how do we keep believing in the resurrection? How do we keep it fresh in our mind? How do we, how do we, how do we keep it fresh in the sense that, hey, because of Jesus' resurrection, lives can still be changed today. How do we keep believing that as a church even after we've personally been changed by it? Well, I was talking to David about this earlier this week. He helped me to understand something about church history. He helped me to understand that they had a custom when they gathered together on the first day of the week. And by the way, the reason they gathered together on the first day of the week was to celebrate the fact that Christ was risen. And when they gathered together, they all had a common greeting that, that, that they, they shared when they came to church, when they gathered in each other's homes. And so when, when someone came to church, they'd be greeted by, by this. Somebody would tell them, Christ is risen. To which they would reply, he is risen indeed. Let's practice that, ready? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. You could hear that echoing all across the sanctuaries, the living rooms. You, 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 you could hear early Christians they didn't say, hey, welcome to Sunday school today. Nice dress. Didn't say that. 
Hey, brother, how was your week? They didn't say, they didn't say that either. They said, Christ is risen. All right, you're getting it. They said, Christ is risen. Why did they do that? Because Christians needed to be regularly reminded of the hope of the resurrection or else their hearts would grow cold. The disciples' hearts, Jesus said, they were hard. Here's the point. Christians don't just get hope and renewed faith by going to Jesus. They, they, they also get hope and renewed faith by listening to the encouragers that Jesus has, has put around them at church. This is why Jesus sent the women to encourage the disciples. It's why he sent the two men to encourage the disciples. Because that's how God works. He uses disciples to remind other disciples of the hope they have in the gospel. That means that we have a two-sided responsibility today. We have the responsibility to learn and receive the encouragement from other Christians around us at church regarding the hope of Christ and the resurrection while also telling the Christians around us about the hope they have in Christ. I want you to think about this as you come to church on Sunday. This is what it's about. We gather together at 945 in connection groups so we can remind each other about the hope we have in Christ. We sing songs like Living Hope together as a church so we can remind each other about the hope we have in Christ. We preach and we listen to preaching so we can be reminded of the hope we have in Christ. We pray together and fellowship together and serve together and give together so that we can be reminded of the hope we have in Christ. So here's the point. When we leave on Sunday, after being reminded of the resurrection of Christ, we go out into the world on Monday and tell them how they can have hope in Christ. Are you getting this? We're reminded of our hope in Christ on Sunday. And we go and share the hope of Christ on Monday because you speak passionately about what you believe personally. And I don't know about you. I need to be reminded every week that I serve a, resur a, a risen Savior. Every week. Every Sunday needs to be Easter Sunday. Every Sunday there should be, it might not have to be out loud, but by our actions and our encouragement, we ought to be hearing this within these four walls. Christ is risen. Is risen Why? Because we got to be reminded of it. So that when we go to work on Monday, that's going to be the center of our heart. It'll just come out in our conversation. And it gives me a really good, good opportunity to give you a warning today. You better be careful about isolating yourself from other Christians. Like the unbelieving disciples did. Repelling other Christians that come to you. You better be careful about having a fast food approach to church life where you hit the drive through on Sunday morning, grab your spiritual lunch and leave. Because an isolated believer who's made it nearly impossible for others to encourage him or her in the faith will be a believer whose faith in Jesus's message weakens. So the first half of the text teaches us disciples couldn't distribute the gospel effectively until they first believed the gospel personally. Aren't you thankful Jesus is patient? Come on now, aren't you thankful he's gracious? He didn't have to chase the disciples down, but he did. He worked with them. He brought them to a point of belief. And here's an amazing ending to this text, to the whole gospel of Mark. Once the disciples got it, they got it. Once they believed, 
They believed. They were ready to share it. Look at verse 19 and 20. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth, that's the disciples, and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. The verse says the Lord spent some time with them. You can study it if you want. It's in red letters, what Jesus told them. Go preach the gospel to every creature. He said, I'm going to do some amazing things to, to, to solidify your message because they're not going to believe you. So I'm going to do some amazing things. And he did. They preached everywhere. Everywhere. Guess what the theme of their message was? Acts 2.31 tells us. This was Peter's message. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ. Acts 4 verse 2. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection. From the, this is the resurrection that they didn't believe. Verse 33 of, of, of chapter 4. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Jesus brought them to a place of belief in the hope of the resurrection. And what they believed personally, they started sharing passionately. Acts 2, after Peter preached that first message, man, it's amazing how many people got saved. That's not in the Bible to teach us that every time we preach a message, 3,000 people are going to get saved. In fact, we don't have a guarantee that one person will receive the gospel when we preach it. There are oftentimes I preach the gospel the best I can on a Sunday and nobody gets saved. So that's not why it's in the Bible. But, but here's the point. When these disciples really believed it and were convinced of it in their mind, it traveled quick. It traveled fast. When they didn't believe it, guess where they were? Huddled up in a living room somewhere. Scared to death. Isolated from the world. Having their little church services. Didn't want to talk to any other believers. Cranky. Nitpicky. I know I'm preaching all over some of you right now. But when they finally believed in the power of the resurrection, nobody could shut them up. The gospel traveled real quick. They became a distribution center because by the time you get to the end of chapter three, in chapter one, the church was comprised of about 120 people. The end of chapter three, over 8,000 people. That's called traveling quick. That's like UPS quick. Here's gospel distribution 101. The gospel travels fast by faith. It doesn't travel fast because you've learned all the soul winning techniques. It doesn't travel fast because you have a really good personality and you're good with people. It doesn't travel fast because the preacher stands up behind a pulpit and preaches thus saith the Lord. It doesn't travel fast because you have a lot of influence. It travels fast primarily because you believe it. You believe that it's changed your life. You believe that it's given you hope. And you want everyone you know to be changed by the same thing. What will cause Fellowship Baptist Church to be a, an effective distribution center for the gospel? How can we get the package to the doors of people in our community? It's when every member 
believes afresh and anew in the power of a resurrected Jesus. Because when you believe it, you talk about it. And the more people that are talking about it, the quicker it travels. Just just a few practical ways, I'll be done. When you study the book of Acts, you you get several several things in this narrative that show us what it looks like for the church to get it right. What it looks like for, for the church to be comprised of people that are fired up about the resurrected Savior. And what it looks like for the gospel to go out in, in a quick amount of time. Again, we're not guaranteed results like, like they experienced. But here's what we are guaranteed. The more people that are fired up about the resurrection, the more people they're going to talk about it. The more you believe it, the quicker it's going to spread. That's my point today. So what did that look like in the book of Acts? I'm I'm not going to go through these scriptures. I had them on there for sake of time. I'm just going to tell you. In Acts chapter 2, the end of Acts chapter 2, it said that 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 entire church cooperated with each other. It says that 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 they all continued in the apostles doctrine, their teaching. It it talked about the fact that they all showed up when there was communion. It, it it, It talked about they all showed up when there was a prayer meeting. They prayed together. And it says that as a result of that, God saved people. It's not rocket science. A lot of hands make for light work. The more people who were involved in the gospel work through that early church, the quicker the gospel got out. The more opportunities God had to save people. So so, so here's what it looks like if we get it right, church. We remind, we remind each other every Sunday, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And when we go out to church, we're thinking about that. We ain't thinking about the, the food we're about to eat. We're not thinking about, about our favorite team that plays in 30 minutes. We're not thinking about how good we look today. And I know you like this jacket I'm wearing. I mean, at least 14 of you have told me already. Half of you are thinking it. You're not thinking that stuff. When you you go out, you're thinking, man, I'm just glad to be a child of God. I'm just glad I serve a risen Savior. You're going out thinking about that living hope that Daniel sang about today. You're going out thinking about the name of Jesus that can change your family today. And what you believe personally, you share passionately. So you're going to sit down at lunch and you're going to talk about it. You're going to go home. You're going to do your thing. You're, you're going to talk about it as, you, as, as you're just going through the regular rhythms of life. See, when we gather together and you, we serve together and we give together and we sing together, when the preacher's preaching, you're going to be there. When there's an opportunity to give, you're going to give. When we sing, you're going to sing. When there's a prayer meeting, you're going to be there to pray. You're going to realize that, that as we gather corporately on a regular basis, we are, we are like putting fuel in the tank. We are making deposits in the bank of conviction. We are feeding our belief that Jesus is not dead. And so when we come together, we don't do it to just check off a box saying, I went to church. We, it's like we're pulling up to a gas station called, oh, excuse the, the cheesiness, gospel gasoline. That's terrible. And you're getting a little gospel fuel. And so you're going to go out and you're going to have enough fuel to get you all the way to Wednesday. 
talk about it till Wednesday. You can come back on Wednesday and you're going to tell somebody, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. You're just going to go get some gospel gasoline again. You're going to make it to the next Sunday. You get what I'm saying? Peter and John, after they preached that great message, 3,000 people got saved. They were headed to the temple. Regular mundane routine. Headed to the temple to pray. And they saw a lame man. A lame man that had to be picked up and dropped off. He's never walked before in life. They could have just walked on by because they were in a routine. Some of you know what that's like, right? You're like a horse with them blinders on sometimes during your day. It's from point A to point B and nothing's going to interrupt you. And they could have just been like we are today in 2022. Just too busy to pay attention to anybody. But they didn't walk on by. They stopped. The guy asked for silver and gold. Peter said, I don't got any of that. I'm a preacher. <laughs> but I got something better than silver and gold. I got the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, you can get up and walk. And he did. And the Bible says he, he danced. He skipped. Well, you would too if you hadn't walked in 40 years. Probably jumped around. Probably had quite the vertical leap. It drew a scene. Over 5,000 spectators came and said, what's going on over here? Peter said, I'm going to go ahead and preach the gospel right here. Why? Because you talk about passionately what you believe personally. And so he talked about the gospel. He probably said something like this. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And 5,000 people got saved. You know what that tells me? Here's what it looks like if we get it right. Tomorrow when you go to work, you're just passing by. Regular rhythm of life from one office to the next. From one customer to the next. From one classroom to the next. From one project to the next. You're going to be looking for the lame men and lame women that you can pass by and introduce to the name of Jesus Christ. You hear me? When you go to school tomorrow, you're looking for opportunities to share Jesus, to talk about Jesus. You're not going to be so busy. When you believe the resurrection, the power of the resurrection, you're not going to be so busy that you just walk by people who need you. Your life's going to be more than about you in the regular rhythms of life. The gospel travels fast by faith. Coca-Cola, you've heard of Coca-Cola, right? Coca-Cola is probably the largest of all soda brands in the world, not even in our country, that they, their marketing is literally worldwide. This, this, this is amazing. Um, their goal is to be universally visible. They have two main goals. One, one goal is to be universally visible. Now, they have a lofty goal, and I don't know if they'll ever reach it, but their goal is that every person in the world will see their brand or their product, one of their brands or products, at least 20 times per day. That's their goal. They, they don't just want to be universally visible. They also want to be universally available. And, and they, they are. They have gotten so aggressive in, their, in how they've transported and distributed their soda worldwide. It's, it's mind-blowing. In fact, they distribute Coke by way of ship, plane, truck, motorbike, Bicycle, foot, and even canoe to some of the most remote and dangerous parts of the world. Why? So that everyone in the world 
can have a Coke in their hand. They at one time wrote a song about it. I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. That's the lyric. Why would Coca-Cola go through such great lengths to get a bottle of soda around the world? Even sending some people in some cases in a canoe with a package of pop. Here's why. They believe their product is worth having. So they believe their product is worth distributing. I don't know, I guess you could say it like this. Coke travels fast by faith. They believe in their product. And their belief in their product is the engine that carries it to the world. And that's Mark's burden in this text. It's my burden for our church today. How are we going to get people to the first growth step? How are we going to get the people around us, inspire them to believe in the gospel by faith? We've got to believe it in ourselves. We've got to believe in the hope of the resurrection personally, that it can change anybody's life. Because our belief in the gospel is the engine through which we will distribute the gospel to a lost and dying world. May God be able to trust our church with the most valuable message ever given. May the gospel through this place not stall out because it's sitting in the hands of unbelieving Christians. May we go out of here saying something like this. Christ is risen. risen May we come back tonight and say, Christ is risen. risen I hope I see you Wednesday and I hope we can say, Christ is risen. risen Because when we believe it, we talk about it. And this world needs us to be talking more about it than we are. Your neighbors need to hear about it. Your coworkers need to hear about it. Your classmates need to hear about it. Your family members need to hear about it. And the reason they aren't hearing about it is because you have forgotten about it. It ain't Easter Sunday, so you're not talking about it. God help our church. God help our church to be a gospel distribution center where it travels fast by faith. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. Stand to your feet.